Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Running the Bases. I am your play-by-play, Tucker Wells, joined as always by color man, Coach Jordan Bounds. Coach, how are you? Good, sir. Pretty good. How are you doing, Tucker? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We're here recording this on a Wednesday, June 18th. And again, a very special thank you to everyone who's been picking us up on SoundCloud.com. Well, Coach, um, it would appear... Without a shadow of a doubt that the Field of Dreams has a new right fielder this week as legendary hitter, legendary humanitarian Tony Gwynn passed away on Monday at the age of 54. Um, Much has been written about his unbelievable statistics as a hitter, his work ethic, his multi-sport talent, his humanitarianism, um, his giving to charity, his being a coach, so on and so forth. So, Coach, what I'm asking you is, what are some of your personal favorite moments and memories from the career of Tony Gwynn? I don't particularly have any favorite moments. He ate up the Braves. I know that three of the four people he has the highest lifetime batting average against are Braves, Smoltz, Maddox, and Rick Mailer. Uh, the, uh, it was said that Glavin owned him. Uh, because he only had a 313 average against Glavin. Uh, I mean, um, I as good as Tony Gwynn was, I have problems with the type of hitter who, I mean, he was a Wade Boggs. Uh, he was an Ichiro. He was a type of hitter that, uh, where his team, it might have been his last at bat, and if they needed him to drive in a run from first, he was still going to try and hit the ball through the 5.5 hole. Uh, and I don't necessarily – I mean, you know, Chipper could do that. The year that Chipper had the shoulder injuries and stuff and – he just hit for average, and he hits 360 or something and leads the league in hitting. But he knew that's not what the team needed. Uh, there were times he needed to drive the ball. And I have problem. and, and I don't know that, that Tony Gwynn could do that. Uh, but I assume that anybody as good as Tony Gwynn could, uh, that he could do that. Well, that's an interesting take. So you thought that he was too con- – he was too – concerned with hitting where he liked to hit as opposed to what his team needed in that moment. I think he convinced himself that for him to hit 338, that was what his team needed, and probably so most of the time. But he was on, for the most part, he played on lousy Padre teams that needed somebody in the three-hole to drive the ball. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. He never he was one of those guys that was kind of like Cal Ripken, Cal Ripken Jr. who that, could who could adjust and hit for power when he needed to. It's kind of interesting that Cal Ripken Jr. and Tony Gwynn went into the Hall of Fame at the same time and their Hall of Fame induction ceremony was the highest attended in the history of Hall of Fame induction ceremonies. There were 75,000 people in Cooperstown that weekend, by all accounts, and we've been hearing them in the past week from different sports writers and fans and whatnot, that it was just a madhouse with people trying to be there for those two speeches. But 
And these, it has frightened me to death about my upcoming trip to Cooperstown during the induction ceremonies. Well, you know, I think that, A, congratulations. That is going to be fantastic. You and I as Braves fans, I wish I could go with you. Because there's going to be nothing quite like that moment. I only wish that Smoltz was there, too, to complete the uh, the trio of aces. But that being said, Tony Gwynn and Cal Ripken had a national appeal that transcends most figures in baseball. They were kind of, I don't know, I don't know a good comparison. Babe Ruth would be too uh, gracious, the Mickey Mantles. But then there's Ted Williams. And I'll tell you personally that my favorite memory of Tony Gwynn, because... You're right, him playing on the Padres made him less of a national figure because he was never in the World Series, but the one year against the most dominant Yankee team we've seen since the 50s in 98. But I will say that that, that next season, 99, the All-Star Game, the fact that Ted... Now, wait, wait a minute. I don't think the, the Yankee team in 98 was the most dominant team since the 50s. Really? No. Which Yankee team was better? 61, period, I'm in, end of story. Well, you have a good point there. They have a backup, a third-string catcher hitting 24 home runs on that team. Johnny Blanchard, a third-string catcher hitting 24 home runs without a DH. Well, I mean, it kind of blends together, wouldn't you say? I mean, the 50s going into the 60s, maybe I... Yeah, 61, though, was, you know... 61 is arguably the greatest season of all time. You know, I mean, in the history of baseball seasons, which one compels you the most outside uh, of 61? 41. 41? Yeah. I'm not familiar. Tell me. Uh, Joe DiMaggio's 56-game uh, hitting streak. Uh, Ted Williams hitting triple crown. Uh, just unbelievable stats and, and competition, everything, because everybody knows they're going to war next year. Yeah. And uh, and players just laying it all out because they all went, you know. Uh, you have you know, people like Bob Feller saying, "Well, what the hell? I'll throw 120 miles an hour in this game." Uh, there, uh, <laughs> it was just an incredible year. Wow! But as far as ones that you've witnessed, didn't you say to me in private that '61 was the year that made you a baseball fan? Oh, '61 was the year that made me a baseball fan. I, I, I will say that. And as far as Yankee years go, I mean, how does '41 with DiMaggio? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm unable to tell you who even won the World Series in 1941. Yeah, Yankees. The Yankees. I think I'm, I could have thrown a dart. They won it, but I, I'm not sure they won the World Series. But I think they did. We'd have to look that up, but. You know, so to to back to Tony Gwynn, you know, 98, though, that Yankee team in 98, you'd have to say 114 wins, wire to wire, you know. They were a very good team I uh, against a weaker league uh, at that time, but they were uh, an exceptional team. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, the Padres I had animosity against because they beat the Braves in the NLCS that year. And I, of course, thought that was uh, that was bull honky. And didn't they? They had Kevin Brown, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't they have like a, a, a in his prime Kevin Brown pitching? One for the, of them did. Kevin Brown was either with the Padres or the Yankees. He was a, he was with the Padres. I feel like he was with the Padres. I'd have to double check that, but I feel like he's with the Padres. But see, outside of those moments, there's you know not a lot of Tony Gwynn on the national spotlight. Now that's a credit to him that he would stay in San Diego, even though you know he didn't do the LeBron James where. 
There's a bigger stage elsewhere. And he, knowing his talent and ability, would go and do that. He wanted to stay in San Diego. That's his hometown. And I, and I admire that. But as far as great moments that put him on the map, there's his retirement, his Hall of Fame induction ceremony, and the 99 All-Star Game. You know, Ted Williams, he's surrounded by the All-Stars of that year, and we're talking an epic year of baseball. You have McGuire and Sosa fresh off of the 98 home run chase. You have Derek Jeter in his prime with the Yankees winning, winning, winning. Pedro Martinez starting for the Red Sox in Fenway Park throwing, you know, six strikeouts in two innings. And yet, Ted Williams, at the center of it all, is with Tony Gwynn. And I thought that that was the seminal moment of Tony Gwynn's career. Good. It is good. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, uh, I will say that... Uh, uh, I saw Ted Williams on the street once. And I said, hello, Mr. Williams. He said, hello, kid. <laughs> That's not the seminal moment of my life. You know, Ted Williams is a great ball player that the... The batting champion, the perennial batting champion, greets him on the field. Well, I mean, I mean look, consider the look, fact I, that Ted Williams hated everybody. Yeah. He hated damn near everybody. The only one he liked and, and, and spent time with outside of when he was brought on the big stage that year in particular, you know, 99, Fenway Park, All-Star Game, was Tony Gwynn. no more. Well, not as much as he loved Tony Gwynn. And also, Tony Gwynn wears number 19, which is your number, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I, know, I, know, I know, Yeah. So, well, anyway, Tony Gwynn, great ball, ball player by all accounts. Great, great person. So, he will be missed. So, for today's show, real quick, what did you think of... Uh, obviously, we're not going to talk about the Braves against the Phillies, because that's just depressing. But what did you think about the Angels coming to town over the weekend? Uh the um, in those games, I remember seeing Pujols was angry, like we were throwing at him or something. Uh, angrier than I ever saw him with, as a Cardinal. I thought that was interesting. Um, I it was interesting seeing uh, the worst center fielder in the game and the best center fielder in the game uh, compete against each <laughs> other. Um, the uh, otherwise it was, and I'm not trashing the Braves or anything, but they are so unbelievably inconsistent this year and are likely to be the whole year. Um, you know, a, a team that, I, you know, uh, it was nice to see them win a couple of games. Yeah. Do you find it hard to root heavily against a team called the Angels? Is there anything threatening? <laughs> no, no. no. Yeah, don't you feel kind of good even just because they're there? It's like, oh, the Angels are here. No, I don't think anything. I, I, I don't. Do you think that God loves the Angels? Well, I'd have to believe in God first. <laughs> but uh, Well, let's just say hypothetically that there is a God, which most well, people out there would say yes. Do you think God would root for the Angels considering they are his children? Well, seeing how his angels don't have free choice and cardinals are his emissaries on earth why would he not pull for the cardinals over <laughs> the uh angels you know uh and do you think he's really like pulling for new orleans in every pro football game no come on 
<laughs> do you think the Angels need to upgrade their mascot? Do you think they need to change names, maybe become like the Falling Angels or the Hell's Angels? No. They no. can't they can't keep the first part of their name. They've been California, Los Angeles, Anaheim. They can't they don't they need to just pick a name and stay with it. Now, uh, don't answer right away, but who's Satan's team out there? The Marlins. Um, you can't say Yankees because that's too easy. The Marlins have, I, I would like to say so because of what they are, their negativity toward uh, baseball, but they do have kind of a connection with art uh, as Lori is an art collector and art trader, and they have art all over their ballpark. And so I, I, I can't see I can't see that kind of connection making them Satan's team. Uh, it would be uh, the Yankees have too many. I, it's hard to say, but it would probably be the Yankees more. Yeah, I know that was the easy answer, but I don't see the Marlins. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to, you know, maybe the uh, maybe the Mets, maybe the Mets are Satan's team because the Mets won when they were filled with bad people in '86. Although then you do have the dichotomy of the '90, the '69 Miracle Mets, Miracle, you would think something heavenly, but the '86 Mets and the fact that what they did to the Red Sox seems like there was some sort of dark lord intervening in that moment. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, I've never, I've always hated the Mets, but the 69 Mets, that would be more of, they had one, I mean, they had two pitchers. They had Seaver and uh, Kuzman. The rest of their team, I mean, I, I could I could go through the lineup, but nobody knows who they were. I mean, how many people are going to put Ed Cranepool in their, you know, <laughs> long you know, list of top first basemen or you know, Bud Harrelson, great shortstop. In in '69, you as a as a Braves fan and I, not even a light in my father's eye. What did you think of the '96, the '96, the '69 divisional series, first year divisional play, Braves versus out, Mets? That came out of nowhere. The Braves were awful, like they had been since they moved here. They were almost a second division team, and then. Toward the end of the year, they caught fire. They won, you know, it was like 20 out of 23 games or something to win the pennant. And nobody nobody was following them uh, at that time. Nobody. So when they lost the division series, uh, nobody was had expected them to make it that far to begin with. Was there a, a, a vibe in the city as if— no. I mean, it was already football season. Oh. By the time they were, I mean, they were, they rose from like, and I don't know this, but like from fifth or sixth place to first in the last month and a half of the season. And people by that time were already following the Bulldogs. Yeah. You know, that is, you've said this before and I can't agree more. Atlanta is merely a college football town, period. I'm in. So, um, well, um, so, so 69 Mets being the Satan's team, we'll just go with that. Um, so today we're going to do 
You're if you saw Ron Swoboda play in that World Series, you might think that he was possessed of some sort. <laughs> Not knowing who he is, I'm going to have to research that because now a, I'm intrigued. He was a right fielder and just an awful uh, right fielder making unbelievable plays. Yeah, so. yeah, he made a deal. You know, Some people make that deal for glory here in this life, and then they pay for it in the afterlife, should you believe such things. So, damn Yankees. Damn Yankees. On tonight's episode, we want to do coach your top 8 uh 1 through 8 greatest team that you would ever put together. Favorite, however you want to say it, fantasy and whatnot. Your starting 5 and then your closer. Are these ones that I've seen or ones that I would pick from all time? Let's do just the ones that you've seen cuz my list well, it's up to you. My list includes both. If, Players that I've seen live and then others that I just pull from history. All right. If I'm going to... The best catcher I ever saw was Johnny Bench. Agreed. Period. Nobody close. However, if I'm going to take all time, I'm going to take Josh Gibson. Uh, just because. Just because. All right. Uh, first baseman. I saw Stan Usual play. Uh, I saw him play live. Uh, the uh, I saw him play at Ponce de Leon Ballpark as the Cardinals were barnstorming north before the Braves had moved here in 63. Um, I saw him hit a double, too. Uh, now, <laughs> Didn't you also own some sort of record that Stan Musial tells you how to play baseball? Yo, I did. I, it was like a 78 record uh, that you used to get from Phillips 66, and it – uh, it taught me supposedly how to hit, but Sam Musial had such an odd stance. But Musial would probably be the one, my all-time first baseman. Although I don't know that I ever saw him play first base. You know, he was in the. I, I'm sure I did. Uh, the uh, but I certainly didn't see Musial during his prime. The first baseman. That scared me the most of my lifetime was Stretch McCovey. There was the uh, when he would just flip that bat around in a circle. I was like, oh my god! Uh, <laughs> and I lost a million dollar bet because of Stretch McCovey. Once. You're probably still paying that off, I'm guessing. Uh, I haven't made the first installment yet. Uh, <laughs> the uh, but uh, he hit a ball in the upper deck. I, I'm at I'm at a, a doubleheader against the Giants, and I'm with this guy who's never been to a ball game, and, he, and we're in the upper deck in the outfield, and this guy is like, you know, do you think we'll get a ball? Do you think we'll get a ball? I'm like, shut up. You know, nobody's going to hit a ball up here. Nobody had hit a ball in the upper deck at that time. Uh-huh. Uh, and he's all oh, wh- Which stadium is it? This is Fulton at, County? Yeah, Atlanta, Fulton County Stadium. Okay. And uh, and he's like, all right, Strickland, I'll, I'll bet you a million dollars nobody hits a ball up here the whole game. Two innings later, you "You owe me a million dollars. All right, okay. Uh, All right, but it would probably be Stretch McCovey at first. Uh, All right, second base. uh, I hate to say this, but the best second baseman of of my lifetime is Roberto Alomar. Um, Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. uh, I I don't like him as a person. You don't spit at people. Uh, And I... Sandberg, I would, you know, uh, Sandberg was good, but he couldn't hit first two months of the season. Uh, I'd have to go with Alomar. 
shortstop. Um, really odd here. Uh, it would depend a lot on my team. There's no doubt that the Wizard was the greatest feeling shortstop I've ever seen, although Andrelton might be able to give him a push before too long. Uh, best all-around shortstop, it depends on what the team needed. Shortstop, uh, I, I would never take uh, A-Rod. Uh, I would never take Jeter either. Uh, now, why not Jeter? Just out of, I mean, in putting the Yankee bias aside, we are both avid Yankee haters. But Because I think Jeter is a great ball player, and I think he de- does what his team needs. But if I'm putting him on a team of all-stars, the team doesn't need that much. I need somebody that is – and accept, that is exceptional in one way or the other. That's like I don't take the wizard unless that's what I need, a defensive shortstop. Uh, if I need somebody with multiple hitting styles, I take Ripken. If uh, I need uh, somebody that's, uh, ge- that's going to generate power out of that position, I take Ernie Banks. Uh, the uh, I mean, they're... It really depends on the the shortstop. Really depends on the rest of the team, um, but um, well. So, which is the shortstop you're going with then? Well, it depends on the rest of the team. I haven't done the rest of the team yet. All right, so we'll come back uh, to that. All right, let me ask you a quick question, real yeah. quick though. Um, Ozzy hitting the home run in the NLCS against the Dodgers in '85. Where do you rank that call by Jack Buck? Go crazy, folks! Yeah, Go crazy, yeah, folks! Where do you rank it? Top five? Top ten? Got to be top ten. Uh, nah, well, maybe top ten. I don't know. But that's that's only in the top ten if you're in a Cardinals fan. If you're a perennial Cardinals hater, that's not in your top ten moments. <laughs> that's like you know Bobby Thompson's home run being a great moment if you're a Dodger fan. You know, it's not. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> no, you know. Yeah, I would feel the same about any call in the 91 World Series that went pro twins. Yeah. We'll see you here tomorrow night. Man, shut up. Yeah, right. right. I don't want to see you tomorrow night. This should be over right now. Anyway, all right, so we'll come back to shortstop. You've given us a catcher, a first baseman. Okay, keep going. And second baseman. And and second baseman. Uh, Third base, uh, Mike Schmidt's best third baseman I've ever seen, but I'd probably take Chipper out there, just and I'll rationalize it because he hits from both sides. Uh, but he, he couldn't hold Schmidt's glove. Uh, I grew up an Eddie Matthews fan. If I, you know, we're playing at uh, old, uh, it, we're playing at Wrigley Field or something, maybe I take uh, Captain Eddie. Uh, but prob- I'll take Chipper just because he's a boy. Didn't uh, you interview Eddie Matthews at one point? You're, you're, you're... Uh, I interviewed Frank Bowling. Uh, oh, okay. But you read a book about oh, Eddie, oh, Eddie Matthews. The Eddie Matthews story was one of the first books I ever read. And yeah. it was all lies. Uh, <laughs> was the, it ghostwritten? Probably. I mean, I, I was like 10. If so. you could ghostwrite a book for anybody, a, not a, a biography for anybody, who would you do it for? Baseball or otherwise? Uh... uh I'd take Stanley Kubrick if for no other reason than he's dead and no one could question it. That that's true. Uh, 
I'd probably take Marilyn Monroe. That's a good one. If I could ghostwrite, kind of the same premise, you know, that nobody could question it. Uh, you know, this is somebody who supposedly had affairs with both Kennedys and all this sort of stuff. You know, that'd be fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, but, uh, all right, right fielder. All right, the outfield is going to be more of a deal. Now, i got to figure that with this team uh, – now, all right, uh, let, let me retrace. All right, first of all, if I'm going to – a team that I have not seen uh, and I'm going to take this team, Babe Ruth is going to be on it. I'm – you know, uh, it just has to be. Uh, yeah. Ty Cobb would be on it. Yeah, uh, we're not talking all-time right, fantasy here, right? right but, but if more of like players, your favorite team, players you... that I have seen uh, play. The uh, the greatest center fielder I ever saw play is Willie Mays, but I didn't like him. He was rude to me when I got his autograph. I don't uh, <laughs> I don't have anything to do with Willie. I'll put Mickey out there, who was just kind of spaced out when I got his autograph. Uh, he's probably <laughs> that drunk. was most of his life. Uh, yeah, I know, but but well, man, he, he could hit, run, and you know. Catch. Uh, the uh, I would uh, again. I didn't see him in his prime, but I would have Ted Williams in my outfield. Uh, the uh, well, if, now let me ask if you. we're talking in his prime, since I already if, again usual, depending if he's at first or not, you know that that sort of thing. Other outfielder, my right fielder is going to be Roberto Clemente, the, my favorite player of all time. Yeah, uh, I was waiting for that, and then I would probably put. Bad Henry and left, uh, the uh, with uh, Mickey in center. Uh, again, I saw you know almost all of Henry's career. Uh, an outfielder that's lost in all of that, or two outfielders that are lost in all of that. Uh, one Frank Robinson. He because he was in this. He was in with Mantle and Mays and Aaron and uh, all those people. People kind of forget how good Frank Robinson was. Uh, the other person that is forgotten, or not forgotten, but that I might, I, I would want on my team is Ricky Henderson. Yeah, uh, I thought about that. If you had Ricky Henderson batting leadoff and playing center. No, God, he was too bad of an outfielder ever to play center. Oh, okay. He was an awful outfielder. I mean, he, would you move Clemente to center and then have him in, uh, have him in right? I already have Mantle out there. Why do I need to move? Clemente I don't know. So, so he'd be your DH. I'm, I'm, who would be my DH with those people? Yeah, it would be Ricky, Ricky Anderson. Okay. Uh, now, all right, my starting five pitchers. No, let's see. Let's come back to shortstop now. Oh, now okay. that we have this team constructed, right. who's if at I, who's at the the if, the diamond position? Yeah, I'll the go keystone. Ahead. I'll go ahead and put Ozzy there with those other people batting. Yep. Put Ozzy batting eighth and, you know, shoot, I get five pitchers that hit better than Ozzy, but uh <laughs> the uh but I mean, you know, why not? If the uh Ozzy and uh, Roberto Alomar's double play combination, that'd be fun. Uh, and I already got Clemente and Bench, uh, Schmidt, got great fielders all over the place. And great hitters. Yes. I mean, with Gibson behind the dish alone, you've got one of the greatest home run hitters of all time. Oh, if I, Well, yeah, but that was on the team that I haven't seen. I haven't seen. And Johnny Bench, not a bad no, option either. No. <laughs> you really can't go wrong with this. Uh, the uh, Now, as far as... Starting pitchers. Um, 
the uh, greatest starting pitcher I've ever seen was Sandy Koufax. Uh, the uh, just amazing. Uh, after that, I would the next best starting pitcher I've ever seen was Greg Maddox. After that, uh, the most intimidating pitcher I've ever seen is Bob Gibson. All right, so beyond. All right, so Koufax, Gibson, and Maddox—they're a given. The next most intimidating pitcher I've ever seen was Randy Johnson. I never really liked him that much, but in his prime, there's hardly anybody better. I was uh, at the perfect game. Really? Yeah. yeah, I was there. There was about twenty-three thousand fans, but I was truly there. And you know what? You knew. You knew by about the fourth inning that he was going to throw a perfect game. I swear to you on a stack oh, yeah, of I, I, Christopher I, Moore books that I, I, I don't doubt that at all. Uh, now, as far as the fifth starter goes, this could really be a throw. I mean, I hate to have Randy Johnson on that that list, but I mean, uh, uh, well, if not Johnson, if you're going by character alone, who would you replace him with? I'm going by character. Well, whatever, whatever makes you hate to have him on your list. Well, I don't like him. Well, that's because he was like really good against us, you know. I don't. Yeah. Did uh, you know? Speaking of Maddox, who's who's on my starting five as well all time, Tony Gwynn. I, I heard this the other day on the jo- on the uh, the Jonah Carey podcast, which is on Grantland dot com. Um, that he had, he faced Maddox more than any other pitcher in his modern career, and had a four fourteen average against him, and only and never struck out, not once. He. Struck out against Smoltz, Glavin, and Maddox three times in his career. Total, <laughs> unbelievable. The uh, uh, there's no doubt Tony Gwynn was a great ball player. I'm not, you know, and a legitimate Hall of Famer, first round. You know, I have problems with the fact that he didn't drive the ball. Uh, <laughs> the uh, my fifth starter, uh, the might be. Juan Marichal. That's a good one. And one of my reasons for this is every back in the day when my son was young and I used to go to all these uh, uh, the uh, autograph signing shows or you know these baseball card shows where they'd have uh, major leaguers and stuff uh, that would be signing autographs at them. Uh, I used to always ask hitters who was the toughest pitcher they ever faced. And I would ask pitchers who was the toughest hitter they ever faced. And uh, I, on more than one occasion, people said Juan Marichal said that they could not. I mean, Duke Snyder and people like this uh, took Juan Marichal. And that, that means a lot to me. Um, the uh, If I'm going strictly by people I don't want to face, be Don Drysdale and that sidearm stuff. And he'd hit you in the head, you know. Uh, the uh, and that would be he could also hit better than Ozzy Smith. I'd bet him. Uh, eight. Yeah, that's true. Uh, another one uh, that would come close is Warren Spahn. You know, although he uh, yeah. didn't never. You always thought like, give me a bat. But I used to say that against Maddox too. I used to feel like I could hit him, uh, and I know <laughs> I couldn't. You know, uh, but. Um, you get lucky, you right. know. As far as my all-time closer, you you got to go with Mo. 
I don't know yeah, how. I went with know, Mo. I mean, I don't know how you can. You can't as much as you'd hate to. There's there's no closer quite like him. He he truly was game over when he came in, which is why the 2001 World Series is such a wonderful thing as far as drama is concerned. Wait, hold, hold, let me say one thing. Only you can't go against Mo because that role of closer, this person just coming in the ninth inning, is so much of a new thing. Uh, the greatest, one of the the one of the greatest relief pitchers I ever saw was Raleigh Fingers, but he would come in and pitch three innings at the end of the game, uh, and do this every other game. Uh, well, you can still pick him, no, you know. but he wasn't in that kind of role as a closer. He was a relief pitcher, and he was damn good. So was Dick the Monster Raditz. So were you know several other pitchers that were the in the 50s and 60s and the Joe Pages and uh, uh, Clem LeBines and people that would come in and throw four innings because uh, the starter could only go five, you know, and then maybe he didn't, you know, uh, he didn't get a save for the next three games because he was resting. But, I mean, it's a, it's a different game. I mean, even Suter and Gossage and these people pitch more than one inning. Rivera is one of the first who just did this like stupid uh, it's a stupid way to use a relief pitcher just having pitched a ninth inning uh the david johnson who i never thought uh was that great of a manager when he was with the reds he would use his best relief pitchers at the time of the game where he thought it was on the line Maybe it was the seventh inning, and there were runners on second and third, and the middle of the other team's lineup was coming up, and he's like, i got to get these guys out now. Uh, and then would use a weaker pitcher in the ninth when they were at the bottom three in their lineup, and they were down by four runs you know, or three runs or whatever. I'm, I'm not real keen on this, you know, bringing your closer in the ninth inning just because you have a two-run lead. If you were managing the Braves right now, would you use that strategy with Kimbrell? Would you bring him in in the seventh if you thought that that was the moment? Couldn't do it right away. He would have to develop his arm strength to be able to do that sort of thing. Yeah, that's kind of that that is true. That is the the double-edged sword is that they're only con- they're now conditioned you pitch, will pitch one inning at you know, full throttle. You'll pitch, you know, 18 pitches. Go out yeah. there and throw 18 pitches. All right. So so we got um, from top to bottom. All right. L- 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 let me hear the batting order from one through eight. I could fill in the rest of relief pitchers. I could fill in backup players and stuff if you want as well. Well, that, yeah, that, that's uh, – I, I know that right. you can, but let's okay. stick with the starters. Oh, it's a lineup. All right. Since I have – Ricky as my uh, DH, he's batting first. Uh, I'll have Roberto batting second since he's going to hit 360. Uh, the uh, number three hitter, uh, do I have Aaron in left? You do. You have, uh, all right. you have Bad Henry in left. All right. Then if he is, uh, if we have a Milwaukee Bad Henry, he's batting third. Uh, and then I'll put uh, the Mick batting fourth uh stretch batting fifth uh what have i got all right roberto alomar 
Mike Schmidt. Yeah. Mike Schmidt should probably come in six. Yeah, Schmidt will probably bat six. Uh, Alomar and then bench. Then bench. Then. Uh, Ozzy's yeah, batting ha- ninth for yeah, sure. I'm gonna ha- bench Alomar and uh, I might move all this down and put Alomar second, and have Clemente batting third, Henry fourth, uh, the Mick fifth, Stretch sixth, uh, Schmidt seventh, and uh, bench eighth. All and right. Then, uh, oh, and then uh, Ozzy. Now, since I have nine people, I might have Alomar batting ninth, so it's kind of like a second leadoff. Yeah. yeah. All right, how many titles are you winning with this team over or under? Well, it depends. Do I have them all signed in their prime? You have them all uh, signed in, in their prime. prime for but you're, 10-year you're, contracts? For 10-year contracts, which you're playing in the 50s and the 60s. No matter. I'm gonna win. Every, I'm gonna win every year with that. If all I right. have those starters and they're all healthy and they don't, you know, there you go. Not six. Not seven. <laughs> no. Not eight. All of them. All of them. Every every single one for ten years. If I have that starting staff, those starting pitchers, I got Koufax and Gibson and Maddox and Randy Johnson and whoever was my fifth guy. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> you had you had a uh, Marshall. Marischal. Oh, Marischal. All right. Marischal. Or Warren Spahn. All good selections. I have Marischal as my fifth starter. Yeah, all right. I'll win. Yeah, if, I think if, he'll do all right. It, you know, the rest of, rest of my bullpen would really have to suck. Yeah, and we know that you would put a good one together. Well, mine, I don't I don't differ that much for you. I have uh, Clemeni in right for sure. Aaron in left field, a, a, a bad Henry from um, the Milwaukee days. But I'll even take him through when they move to Atlanta. Um, I just I, the, my only difference there was where he batted in the lineup. Yeah, understood. Now my some of my choices here have to do more with the ones that I saw, you know, and and, and more of the connection to it. For example, I got Limmer at second base and Pendleton at third base. Now you might laugh at that at the other options out there, but Pendleton, ninety-one MVP, batting champ, Lemke, greatest World Series, probably arguably of all time by a hitter in 91. So I got Lemke at second, Pendleton's batting at third base. I do have Bench as a catcher, uh, Musial at first base, have to. Now out in center field, I'm going to go with Ken Griffey Jr., the Seattle Ken Griffey Jr., yeah, obviously. That's a good choice. That's a good choice. Yeah, I mean, the defense alone plus the pure hitting, I mean, that stroke is just as amazing as I've ever seen. Now, Right here at shortstop, where you might take Ozzie Smith, I will take another ex-Cardinal slash ex-Angel slash ex-everywhere else, David Eckstein. Um, the way that he he was a pesky hitter. And Eckstein, as you know, I know him from a personal uh, encounter. And that's why you're taking him. Let's be honest. Is, yeah, uh, that's, that's my if, choice here. Yeah, it's your choice. Uh, but you can't have all alpha dogs on a team. You can't. You can't have everybody who... That's what you asked me to pick. Uh, well... If I'm going to take a shortstop, x is going to be maybe somewhere in the 80s. Uh, <laughs> you know, in well, like 87th. You know, but here's so. my argument. Two championships. Two championships with two different teams, two different leagues. Tony Kubek, eight championships. Do I want Kubek? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fine. You don't have to take him. But Billy I'm... Martin. You know, do I want Billy Martin as my all-time shortstop? No. Do I? You know. Huh. But I'm taking I'm taking X sign at the at, at the at the uh, Keystone with uh, with the Limmer. 
And then for my my DH, I got to go Ortiz. I've seen too many big moments from David Ortiz not to have him DH. Now, I left out Henderson, and obviously that's a big omission. It'd be hard to pass up on him just because. But, you know, <laughs> Ricky. He's the greatest. The greatest that's ever played. <laughs> By his own admission, he is the greatest. And my starting five, I'm there with you. Maddox, Gibson, Johnson, Koufax. But my fifth would be none other than Satchel Paige. Um, I just, uh, his well, delivery alone. And by his... the time I was getting my starters, you wouldn't let me, pick, I had to pick somebody that I've seen. Uh, well, if you couldn't, would you put Paige on there? Yes, I would put. Uh, Over Marishaw? Yes. Yeah. Uh, if I'm doing the five that I, uh, sight unseen, I mean, you know, that I haven't seen, I'm going to have Koufax, Gibson, and Maddox there. Uh, yeah. but I'll probably have Paige and I'll probably have Big Ed Walsh, uh, the uh, <laughs> person with the lowest ERA in history. Well, you have to remember that mine's a little different because my sample size is shorter. You know, my baseball knowledge goes from 90. My, my personal baseball knowledge. Paige, you know, he's not in your lifetime. No, and that's why I have to choose outside of my lifetime. Okay. You know, yeah. because I haven't seen the greats. I mean, you know, from my era, I'd pick Glavin, Maddox, and Smoltz. You know, and Randy Johnson, and then you yeah. know, throw in I don't know Mark Burley, I guess. It, it, all right, now if I'm taking favorites that like I want to hang with, you know, and stuff, I'm gonna have Glavin and Smoltz in there. You know, I love them, but I'm picking, you know, like my greatest team, and I'm saying like my life depends on it. And I'm gonna take Koufax and Gibson. You know, uh, over Smoltz and Glavin, you know. I think, you know. And, then and they're they're legitimate Hall of Famers. I'm not taking anything away from them, you know. No, 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 absolutely. And I think that I think that Smoltz is something that's missing from this Braves team. And we may have on our hands the curse of the Smoltz and the fact that we didn't offer him a contract in that last year. Because look at what we did to Tim Hudson and look at the year he's having in San Francisco. We need that type A alpha dog personality. That's what Smoltz brought to the table. He was the bulldog. No question. And we don't. And who can you name on the team that's like that right now? None of them. If Freddie Friedman, no. Jason Hayward, no. You know, Kimbrell even looks scared from time to time when he's out there. Julio Tehran, uh, he's too young. We need a Smoltz. You know, that's what the Braves are lacking. We've talked about this, that there are a couple of pieces away. I think Smoltz is too old right now. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we need a Smoltz-type pitcher. You know, maybe we need to open up the pocketbook in a big way and get Scherzer after this year, but that's just me. So, Uh, that won't happen. But, well, a man can dream, right? The Braves are, we're going to trade Harang or uh, uh, Floyd before the trade deadline. Oh, yeah. Well, there might be a fire we'll tra- sale. We'll tra- no, I don't think it'll be a fire sale. We'll still be uh, buyers. We're not going to be a seller thing because you know, the division sucks too much. Uh, yeah. But we will trade Harang or Floyd because we can get something for either one of them, pitching being the need that it is, because we've got Alex Wood in the minor leagues, and they're going to – that's, you know uh, – yeah, uh, you know the Braves don't have that kind of. Uh, 
they don't have that kind of comfort zone to be able to keep Alex Wood in the minor leagues at this stage. I agree entirely. So, all right, so to close it out here, um, right now we're a month away from the All-Star break, so we're almost at the midway point. Who are your five playoff teams, your three division winners, your two wild cards in each Ooh. league? Go. I wasn't prepared for this. Uh, well, I think the Tigers are the best team. Even with the Royals? Yes. The Royals playing the oh, way they sure are? I'm sure I wanted, uh, maybe, maybe the Royals could make uh, – can be a uh, wild card. But well, you're taking the Tigers as division. Yes. Uh, now, in the left coast in the American League, that that's hard because I've been one of those people that's been really fooled by the A's uh, last couple of years. I just haven't thought they were, were as good as they were, but I've got to say the Angels. Um uh, it's just hard not to. Uh, but, you know, I would have said the Angels last couple of years, too. So what do I know? Uh, exactly. And, That's why I'm going A's for sure. Well, and in the East, which is awful all of a sudden. Uh, okay, Toronto. You have to yeah, say Toronto. I mean, I, I mean, right now, I've got to say Toronto. Especially uh, with Burley, the way Burley's pitched this year, it's it's just unreal. Yeah, Burley's Burley. I, I don't. Burley is Burley, which is why they win. So, uh, all right, who are your now, two wild cards in the American League? In the American League, the Royals and and I'll say the A's. Okay. Uh, the uh, all right in the National League. Uh, Left coast is kind of a lock, and the Giants, it would seem. Oh, I wouldn't say it's a lock because uh, is I don't as think far the Dodgers. The Dodgers are too many superstars, not enough role players. I don't think they make it. Yeah, but they have some really good pitching. Uh, yeah. And I have been a Braves fan too long to discount that type of pitching. Uh, they can get on a roll like no other team. Uh, no other team in baseball has the potential to get on the kind of roll they do because of their pitching, uh, except maybe the Tigers. Um I'll still say the Giants right now and say the Dodgers is one of the wild cards. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Central Division, uh, right I, until somebody proves me different, it's the Cardinals. I'd uh, have to take the Cardinals as well. Until And, you know, that's like until they roll over and die, I've got to take them. <laughs> uh, the, uh, they're the team. Uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Joe Hardy. Uh, they got a somebody in their front office is their Joe Hardy sold his soul. Uh, <laughs> the um, Now, in the Eastern Division, I'm going to take the Braves just because. Uh, they are so inconsistent. Uh, but so is the whole division. I, I mean, know. it could be the Braves, the Marlins, or the Nationals. I mean, who knows? Nobody seems Nation- to want it. Yeah, I, I agree. I As the Nationals seem to me to be the better team. Uh, or no, they seem to have the better talent. Uh, but I'm going to take the Braves, and I'll say the Nationals are the other wild card. All right, and your World Series matchup, real quick. Uh, As Cardinals it, Tigers. Cardinals Tigers. There you have it. Well, folks, thank you so much for tuning in on SoundCloud.com, and if you're in Atlanta. Come by Richard's Variety Store at Peachtree Battle to see Coach Bounds, and you can always see me, Tucker Wells, at Nancy G's, bartending Thursdays, Sundays, Tuesdays, Saturdays. 
This has been Running the Bases. Coach, thank you so much. Good to talk to you, Tucker. God, I can't even say your name. All right. Good night, Coach. Good night.